Well, what do you think? I mean, I mean, it's kind of a loaded question, isn't it? I mean, if it stinks, it stinks. It smells bad for everybody. Smell bad for you? Yeah. I mean, what do you want me to do? Make excuses for him? And let me ask the obvious question. Last week you said, obviously, Henry's still the starter. Is he still the starter? Yeah, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> As I said, we have two really good quarterbacks. We had a chance to win. We didn't get it done. We'll go back to work tomorrow, uh, and we'll go to fixing it, and that's what we're, we're going to do. A um, lot of football season left, whole heck of a lot of football season left. And I tell you what, I saw a bunch of fighters in that locker room, a bunch of friggin' fighters on the sideline, and uh, that's a football team that's going to continue to improve and get better. They're going to fight to improve and get better. I don't know how many games we're going to win, but I know we're going to fight. Quarterbacks are like dogs. I mean, if you throw them a treat, then they respond. You know, they'll – they get smiles on their face, their tails wag, and you know, and then uh, you know, and then pretty soon they'll they'll be a little more affectionate towards you as far as throwing the ball your direction. You see, and we played some pretty good teams and beat some pretty good teams. You know, so we're we're headed that direction. We got a long way to go, but tonight sure was nice. Oh, welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And man, do we got a show lined up for you guys. We got uh, Alabama, Florida, huge epic matchup preview. Lots of injury news around the SEC. And I'm very excited. Week four kickoff times. Those were just announced here on Monday. So a lot to touch on around the league. But uh, before we do that, Hey, I just want to say thanks again to all the listeners. You know, the support is uh, just nonstop from you guys. And then our numbers continue to improve on every platform. And uh, as always, you know, we probably don't say this enough. Give us a a five-star written review on the Apple Podcast app. And we're more than happy to send you a beer koozie free of charge just for doing that. And uh, before we get going here, one last time, I really wanted to share this. Uh, This came from... uh, one of the show listeners, Jeremy, I don't know if I'm allowed to give out his last name, but you know who you are, sent us uh, this video of Arkansas, the fans storming the field after beating Texas. I mean, my God, this will be a moment many Arkansas fans never forget. So uh, let's kick it over to this video sent in from Jeremy. I th- just thought this was fantastic. All right, so once again, thanks, Jeremy, for sending that in. Really do appreciate that. And uh, I know the rest of the SEC ready to move on uh, before we get to uh, the news and notes from around the league. Want to mention our sponsors, Prize Picks. Head on over to prizepicks.com. Use that promo code SEC. If you're looking for a way to support the podcast, this is an outstanding way to do it. And it's a hell of a lot of fun. It's daily fantasy sports. They, have, they offer all the sports, NFL, NBA, and the one we talk about, obviously, college football. Not many daily fantasy sites offering 
college football. I know I went 0 for 2 on my prize picks uh, selections last week. So once again, Fade Mike in full effect. You want to make you some money, head on over to prizepicks.com. Use that promo code SEC and they'll match your initial deposit bonus up to $100. And, uh, you know, play some fantasy daily fantasy sports with us. I think uh, I think you'll ha- you'll have just as much time making that money as I am losing it over at uh, prizepicks.com. But man, am I excited and I'll tell you why because I know uh, this weekend we've got some marquee matchups that we're really looking forward to. We're going to break down some of those uh, matchups here in just a moment, but the SEC also announced the week 4 kickoff times and folks, this is when it's really Kicking it in a high gear around the SEC, Saturday, September 25th. Check it. I'm going to go just in order of the kickoff times here, but uh, damn near every one of these games is exciting. Georgia at Vanderbilt, noon Eastern, 11 o'clock Central on the SEC Network. Georgia and Vanderbilt. LSU at Mississippi State, another noon Eastern, 11 o'clock Central kickoff on ESPN, and this is a matchup that may just define the season for both programs. It's rare that you have something this early in the year that you could say that about, but hell, Mississippi State, if they take care of business this weekend against Memphis, they'll be riding high 3-0, and welcoming LSU into town after thrashing the Tigers last season. We all remember that epic game. And then on the flip side, uh, you got to assume that LSU is going to win this weekend with another cupcake. Well, I shouldn't say cupcake. Central Michigan, they look pretty good. They give Missouri a decent run. That's a must-win for Ed, Ed Orgeron and company. And, uh, you know, people, you're not going to get any credit from Tiger fans from winning that game. You, you're supposed to win that one. Well, LSU also thinks you're supposed to win Mississippi State. So going on the road to Starkville, got to iron out the issues there for LSU. I mean, that is just a huge Huge matchup. And, hell, we haven't even moved off the noon time slot yet because we got Missouri at Boston College. Really underrated matchup here. Boston College's coach also, uh, I believe, in his second year, he's been doing some good stuff there with the Eagles. That's a noon Eastern, 11 o'clock Central on ESPN2, Missouri at Boston College. That looks to be an interesting matchup. And then huge one here, Texas A&M versus Arkansas in Arlington has been selected as the CBS 330 Eastern, 230 Central kickoff, the second one of the season. Of course, uh, this weekend, Alabama at Florida. That'll be the first SEC on CBS selection. But, man, the Hogs are feeling good. And after Texas A&M struggled last weekend after uh, Hayes King went down, we'll get to that uh, here in a moment, but... This is looking like uh, potentially the best Arkansas team that Texas A&M has seen since they went into the SEC. So can the streak finally end? It's in Jerry world once again. Jerry was at the game over the weekend beating Texas. So who knows? Maybe they got some of that Jerry Jones magic in them. I cannot wait for that matchup. Texas A&M, Arkansas could be college game day too. If you just look around the schedule nationally, Texas A&M at Arkansas, would be a great selection there, assuming both those teams take care of business this weekend as expected. Georgia State at Auburn, 4 o'clock Eastern on SEC Network, 3 o'clock Central. 
This will be uh, obviously after the Penn State game that uh, we'll touch on all week long here, but that'll be an interesting one. And then here we go to the night games. We got three interesting night games here. Tennessee at Florida, 7 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock Central on ESPN. Cousin Shane (laughs) was not happy to see this one. The Vols under the light. And I've seen a lot of Tennessee fans after uh, the pit game, especially very disappointed. They were hoping for a nooner to sneak in there in Gainesville. But I don't know. I got a good feeling about this one for the Vols. Not saying they're they're obviously going to be a heavy underdog in this one, but Florida coming off the Alabama game. Tennessee in these night games, I think they typically fare pretty well. They got Tennessee Tech this weekend. Should be a big bounce back performance. Uh, I'm not ready to write the balls off here, but uh, that's going to be a great one. ESPN, Saturday night, SEC football, always uh, the makings of a good game there. Kentucky at South Carolina. Oh, this is one uh, each fan base, you know, expects to win on an annual basis here. Seven o'clock Eastern, six o'clock Central on ESPN2. So the SEC's taking over ESPN uh, week four, September 25th. Great matchup here. Under the lights, Kentucky. I mean, we've seen uh, what that uh, House of Horrors williams Bryce Stadium can be for opposing teams. Again, I know Kentucky is going to be favored in this matchup, and they should be. They've been outstanding so far this season. But uh, South Carolina keeps finding a way to win. I know they got to face Georgia this weekend. Tough matchup, but uh, some magic under the lights there. That could be a great one. And then finally, Southern Miss at Alabama, 7.30 Eastern, 6.30 Central on SEC Network. So that's a look ahead to week four, September 26th, but some great games, getting fired up, just sitting here thinking about it. But all right, we've spieled on long enough here. Let's kick it around the league. Now let's go around the league. You know, this is not a democracy. Everybody doesn't get what to do what they want to do. Everybody don't get to do what they feel like doing. Um, you got to buy in and do what you're supposed to do to um, – you know, be a part of the team and do the things you need to do in practice every day. Uh, sense of urgency, play fast, execute, do your job. You know, guys on the sidelines sitting there pouting. Um, you know, I, I can't stand that either. You know, sit there and pout on a sideline. Um, I, you know, because that's the ultimate in selfish. You know, well, the last play didn't go my way, so I feel so bad. Well, yeah, I mean, nobody thinks, well, you're a tough person when you do that. Nobody thinks that. What they do is they point at you and laugh, and then they nudge their buddy and, hey, they see that guy for this team over there on the sideline, and and and, and they, they you know they'll use words like wimp, although they'll use other ones too that I think are even better words with regard to uh, describing what I'm witnessing at times. We see you as a tough, hard-nosed, boring football coach. <laughs> oh, thanks a lot. Who says that? I think Arkansas was an underdog in every game last year, and I know you guys don't worry I about it. I know we were, yes. Yeah. All right, we got to start here in Tuscaloosa, where we could be talking this matchup all week long. Alabama, number one, going on the road to face Florida, top 10 opponent. And it's not just the polls I'm talking about here. Check out these numbers if you're not, uh, you know, we've all seen, I'm not a big believer in total yards and 
stats like that, I believe in the efficiency rankings. And what do the efficiency rankings say? They say Alabama has the number one most efficient offense in the country. Florida, the number eight offense in the country. So this is an outstanding matchup. How about the defenses? Alabama, number five, most efficient defense in the country. Florida, not far behind, number 12. So this truly is an epic showdown. And considering it's in Gainesville, Bryce Young's first true road start going into the hot, humid swamp of Gainesville. Based on those efficiency numbers, this, Alabama's not far and a better away team than, than Florida. They are certainly the, the heavy favorite in the matchup, but maybe that uh, some of that home field magic for the Gators kind of evens the playing field. And you may think that's crazy, but uh, hell, we've seen crazier in the SEC. So uh, I think the first SEC game on CBS of the season is shaping up to be an outstanding one. Let's hope all these players uh, can come in here healthy. Uh, that's currently looking the case, at least with Will Anderson, who uh, Nick Saban on Monday said, was day-to-day after suffering that injury against Mercer, had to leave the game, did not return after going to the medical tent and back to the locker room. So potentially some fantastic news for Alabama. They're going to need Will Anderson, I got a feeling, in this matchup. So, you know, this one is really going to come down to, I think, the matchup of uh, Dan Mullen's offense against Nick Saban's defense. Last season, these two met in Atlanta, obviously, for the SEC championship, and Dan Mullen had his way with uh, Nick Saban's defense. And I sure, I'm sure Nick Saban is still thinking about that. He's still probably pissed. They won the national championship. He probably still <laughs> thinking about what uh, his defense gave up there in Atlanta. I know it's a different story. Trask, Pitts, Tony, Grimes, a lot of those players on the Florida offense now playing in the NFL, but hell, Alabama lost some guys too. So uh, I, I know everyone's going to be making this out to be Bryce Young and that offense going up against Todd Grantham's defense, but I really think it comes down to uh, how effective this Florida offense is against Nick Saban's defense because I think they're going to have to score some points. We've certainly seen, I believe, uh, Florida's leading the, the country in rushing. They're going to need – the passing, that's going to be critical to this game because I think Alabama's going to uh, force Emory Jones or Anthony Richardson. Should it be Anthony Richardson? Well, we'll get to that in a minute. But uh, wh- whatever quarterback it is, and I'm certainly we'll see both for the Florida Gators in this matchup. They're going to make them beat him through the air. That's historically just been the way with Nick Saban's defense. You know, he'll put his, uh, his elite corners on in man-to-man coverage and force you to beat him down the field. And he does that because there's very few college quarterbacks that can actually do that. I mean, going back historically, that's what it's taken. Joe Burrow, Johnny Manziel, Cam Newton, even the old uh, drunkard, Stephen Garcia. I mean, it takes a historic performance, typically, to beat Alabama and this Nick Saban defense. So that's what it's going to come down to. You're just not going to beat Nick Saban rushing for 300 yards Uh, That is basically unthinkable unless you've got uh, Ezekiel Elliott on your team. But it's a challenging task, particularly if you don't know who 
exactly you're going to see in the majority of reps under center. And that's something Nick Saban uh, was asked this week. You know, how do you prepare for Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson not knowing the roles for each of those guys on the Florida offense? So let's kick it over to uh, Nick Saban, breaking down uh, his thoughts on the two-quarterback system of the Florida Gators and on defending Dan Mullen's offense and what makes it so difficult. Two parts. First, um, they've used two quarterbacks and you prepare differently for each one in terms of their skill set and second. Yeah, uh, first of all, they do have a two quarterback system. Uh, I don't think you prepare differently. You know, both guys have ability to make plays passing and they run the same sort of quarterback runs with both guys and both guys are very talented in both areas. So, um, you know, when the quarterback can run and they run quarterback runs, it's almost like playing against Wildcats. So they've got an extra blocker, uh, but they also have the ability to make big plays in the passing game, which they've made uh, and, and been pretty efficient in the passing game. So uh, it's more challenging when you play against, you know, guys and both guys are very efficient, effective passers as well as runners. You mentioned uh, facing Dan Mullen offenses um, several times over the years. How have you seen the way that he runs an offense change, if at all, uh, over that span? Well, it changes relative to the, the personnel that he has. I think that's what he does, you know, really, really well. They obviously didn't run a whole lot of quarterback runs last year. You know, with the quarterback that they had, he was a really good passer. They had really good skill guys, and they were a great passing team. Uh, this year, they're still a really good passing team, but they have the added element of quarterback runs, which when he was at Mississippi State, you know, it was sort of the same, you know, kind of, um, you know, what players do I have? What can they do? And I'm going to make sure these guys are doing the things that they do well. And I think that's what makes him a great offensive coach is he does a great job of utilizing the personnel that he has, getting the ball to playmakers. And if the quarterback has running ability, they'll, they'll use them in the running game as well. All right, so this is something that I hit on time and time again in the offseason. But uh, obviously Nick Saban's word goes a lot further than mine. But what is it about Dan Mullen that makes him so elite? He adapts to his personnel. And like Saban says, last year they were a passing attack. Now they're more of a ground attack. That's not because Dan Mullen woke up in the offseason and said, well, let's go back to the ground game. It's because he knows what he's got to work with and he gets the most out of those players and he doesn't ask them to do what they can't do. Uh, and that's something he's did the whole time at Mississippi State. That's what he's doing at Florida. So uh, interesting comments here from Nick Saban, but I think he knows that uh, his defense is going to have their hands full. And uh, Nick, uh, Dan Bullen, we'll get to his comments here in a moment, but you know he's basically said we've kind of kept it as a little basic. He didn't say vanilla. These coaches don't say vanilla, but he did say they've kept it kind of basic. So expect some new looks that uh, – Nick Saban and them have not necessarily seen on film this season. Of course, uh, Nick Saban and Dan Mullen have gone head-to-head so many times, I believe 11 times during their head coaching career. So I don't know where, if how much new wrinkles each of these guys can throw at each other. They've seen it all. But a uh, very interesting subplot going into this one, as well as, you know, we can't not talk about this because this is all anybody's going to talk about. Bryce Young going on the road for the first time outside of uh, as a starting quarterback, of course, is what I'm talking about. I know they played the opener in Atlanta, but 
This is completely different. That was a neutral field, more Alabama fans than anything. I'm sure there'll be Alabama fans in the swamp, but it's going to be nothing like the Gator fans that show up here on Saturday night. I mean, just look at these. Uh, <laughs> Ross Dellinger looked up the Airbnb rates here in Gainesville for this matchup. It's insane right now. So uh, this is going to be a, a scene of epic proportions here. Uh, and here's Nick Saban talking about what makes Bryce Young so special handling all this pressure and how he thinks uh, Young will do in his first true road test. Hey, Coach, you talked about uh, playing in a hostile environment. When you have a quarterback that's making his first road start, just what advice do you give him to, to help him play better? Well, I think we got a little taste of that playing in Atlanta, even though it wasn't the crowd noise probably there that we'll have this week. Um, just got to play with poise, and that's one thing that Bryce has done in both games is he's been able to keep his poise. Uh, he's able to stay focused on doing things that we need to do, but I think it's the entire offense that has to be able to um, keep their poise in these situations, whether it's silent snap count or whatever we have to do to be able to operate. I think we have to do it as a unit, uh, and I think it starts with the quarterback, uh, but he has shown really good poise so far this year. What allows Bryce to, to perform so well when, when he's under pressure, when he's pressured by the defense? Um, just what, 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 what have you seen allows him to do so well in that situation? Well, I, I, first of all, I think that, you know, he's got a really good feel in the pocket, of moving in the pocket and um, sort of, you know, moving away from the rush, stepping up when he needs to step up. Um, he's very quick, very quick feet. Um, he's got a quick release. He gets his feet back underneath him so that he's throwing the ball on balance and accurately. Um, and then, you know, he's a very bright guy, so he really understands how the other team is trying to pressure and um, tries to protect himself um, with the plan that we, you know, try to put together as coaches so we can protect him. And, uh, but you got to be able to implement it in the game based on you know, what you're seeing. And, you know, he's, he's done a really good job of that to this point. Okay, coach. So it's interesting, again. I mean, this is something that uh, Nick Saban said during the preseason as well. Not really concerned about Bryce Young. Really, it's, a, it's the rest of the uh, offensive players around him. How are they going to respond? So maybe, uh, you know, I certainly don't rule it out that uh, Bryce Young goes into this hostile environment unaffected and is just cool, calm, and collected. I mean, he seems that special. But at the same time, the swamp has ruined many of good quarterbacks that have mo mo some momentum going into that thing. And uh, once that thing gets rocking, similar to the Arkansas-Texas matchup of last weekend, it's going to be imperative that Florida jumps out, takes an early lead on Alabama, get this crowd into the game. I don't know if they can do it, but that's going to be a key to success if they can manage to pull off this epic upset on Saturday. All right, let's jump down to the other side. Let's kick it old Dave to Gainesville. Where, of course, I mean, different day, same question. These quarterbacks, how can, <laughs> what's it going to take to get Anthony Richardson in there? He keeps coming in the third series of the game, keeps walking off the field with a touchdown. Uh, Dan Mullen was asked repeatedly about the quarterbacks. And uh, I think he's getting kind of tired of these questions. Uh, he did update uh, the status of Anthony Richardson as well. Uh, that was the first question. No surprise. How's Anthony Richardson doing? How's he looking? How's he going to play? Dan Mullins is going to practice this week. 
But uh, let's kick it over to Dan Mullen, who talks about Anthony Richardson, the plan that he has to uh, use his star freshman quarterback. And interesting comments here. Uh, he was asked about, uh, you know, some of the stuff he's been talking about. To maybe you got to earn your, your way as a quarterback in the offense. He's asked to give an example. And I don't know about this one. Let's kick it over to Mullen. Yeah, Dan, first off, how's Anthony? Uh, I think he's doing good. I saw him today watching the film. So, um, you know, like I said, I mean, he kind of had some tightness in his hamstring. So he'll do treatment and we'll see how, how he'll be this uh this week and you know I, we expect him to practice and we'll see uh, how he comes along at practice and deals with it during the week you consistently through two games Anthony's been in on the third series how, yeah. do you, how did you figure out that, that that's where you want to put him in and is he earned the right to maybe get in sooner than, than that in the game well we'll see you know we kind of go in with a plan uh depending on the game and we kind of schedule the plan off of each deal and you know um there are some circumstances maybe that would change that. But, you know, I mean, everybody's kind of on plan going into the game that, hey, you're going to play the third series. Uh, you know, we have that going in and we know what we're going to do. Now, there are circumstances that could affect that. And last, there were Saturday circumstances that might affect when, uh, if he went in uh, and when he went in. So, uh, you know, that's always up there changing. Then one other quarterback one. Um, if I'm understanding what you've said correctly on, on Anthony, kind of the main thing that he needs to work on is making the right reads. Is that a fair? Well, I mean? they always do. Both our guys do. I thought in the first half, both quarterbacks played really well, uh, made good decisions. I thought in the second half, we missed, we made some, a couple poor decisions, uh, missed reads, uh, missed checks, uh, you know, things that you got to do. I mean, taking care of the mental part of the game for both our quarterbacks, um, I think that's a big part of it as they continue to grow. Is there kind of one uh, read maybe that Anthony didn't make that you know he want to have back the most? Just kind of an example. Uh, yeah, I mean, an easy one. If you go back a couple games, like, he, I mean, he drops back, he misses a protection check, then misses the hot throw, uh, then misses the primary read, and then scrambles around and runs, and everybody thinks what a spectacular play. Um, All right, so, you know, on one hand, I'm, it's not my place to question Dan Mullen. Dan Mullen knows more about uh, offensive football than I ever will, so I'm not sitting here calling him out. Uh, his record speaks for itself, but I don't know about this example. I mean, I understand Richardson maybe not executing the offense exactly how he wants it, but if it results in a 20-yard gain, yeah, I'm going to think that's a spectacular play because it is. And that is uh, the, the key there with Anthony Richardson. Even a busted play uh, can result in an epic gain, possibly a score. And that, you know, I, I keep hammering this home, and it's it's still true. Emory Jones playing his best football, I don't know if that's good enough to beat Alabama. But with Anthony Richardson, given the limited action we've seen from him, I think he can beat Alabama. I truly do. If uh, now he's he may make some mistakes, he may cost he may cost you the game. I think that's the issue here. He's more likely to cost Florida the football game than Emory Jones, but I also think the ceiling is higher. And I mean, this is a guy that uh, hell, I th I could see a Heisman Trophy in his future. I could see a national championship in his future. And at the end of the day, I mean, what's the expectation? Dan Mullen's always talking about the championship standard. And maybe I'm being too harsh on Emory Jones because I do think he's a very good player. Hell, he had one of the best passes in the game there last week against in the South Florida game that uh, 
touchdown he threw over the shoulder. I mean, it was perfect. But we're just not seeing that on a consistent basis. And the expectation there, in Gator, the Gator standard, that's what Dan Mullen's always talking about. When you're at Florida, the fans expect you to win the SEC, not just the East. They expect you to make the college football playoff. They expect you to win the college football playoff. And I know we haven't seen enough about from Anthony Richardson to anoint him as uh, the next great quarterback. We've seen flashes that suggest that he is. But at the end of the day, I think if you're asking Florida fans to give you their honest opinion, can this Florida team with Emory Jones win the SEC? I think the most of them would say no. I mean, maybe 50-50. If you asked them, could they win the national championship, there's probably not many that think uh, that's possible. If Anthony Richardson comes in there, I think uh, those odds jump significantly in both categories, winning the SEC, potentially making and winning the college football playoff. And, I mean, this will not be the first time a redshirt freshman took college football by storm. Hell, Johnny Manziel was a redshirt freshman, won the Heisman. Jameis Winston won the Heisman, won the national championship. Jalen Hurts, true freshman, took his team to the national championship. And I know for some reason, Jalen Hurts always gets drugged. But last I checked, when he left the field in the national championship as during his freshman year, he scored the touchdown that put Alabama ahead. It was uh, Jeremy Pruitt's defense, which was a hell of a defense uh, that season. They let uh, Deshaun Watson march down the field and score the game-winning touchdown. So, I mean, this would not be unprecedented for a redshirt freshman to come in here and elevate Florida's football program. And I'm just, uh, I don't know, I'm shaking my head trying to figure out why that has not been the case at this point. But uh, we'll see on Saturday if he's healthy, how he performs against Alabama. Uh, this may be the the game where he assumes the starting quarterback role based on his performance by uh, just you know giving the Gators the advantage in this football game. But that wasn't the only comments there uh, from Dan Bullen. Again, not taking any advice on the quarterbacks. I thought this was hilarious. And on facing Nick Saban's Alabama program, why that's such a difficult task year in and year out. Uh, yeah, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I don't listen to many suggestions, you know, unless if you're in our staff meeting, I might listen to your suggestion. Um, you know. I don't know. I don't run down the hospital to Shan's hospital and tell him, boy, I think you really should do that procedure this way. Um, I think those guys probably got that under control. And, uh, you know, so, I'm, you know, they're, 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 the, they're, they're the people, they're the experts that are doing it. So, yeah. Not even Megan, huh? you don't get any suggestions at home from anybody? On, on, I get a lot of suggestions from her, but not many about <laughs> scheme on what we're calling on third down. <laughs> Hey, Coach. Um, so you, earlier you talked about how special the atmosphere is going to be at the Swarm this Saturday. You realize it's the 11th time that Florida is going to host Alabama, and you are going for your first victory against them in 11 tries. What exactly makes a Nick Saban coach team so difficult to play? I, I mean, number one, they got a ton of talent. You know what I mean? They do a great job recruiting. They have depth. They have talent at every position. Uh, I think he does a great job with this program and uh, keeping the guys focused. I think they play at a very high level, you know, not just having tremendous talent uh, that he gets the guys. They play at a very high level and execute at a very high level. Um, 
and you know the uh, you know, and then obviously they got a good scheme. They have very good football coaches on both sides of the football. Uh, run a good scheme. So they do a good job of putting those guys in position to make plays. So you know, when you combine all of those things, it makes them an excellent team. All right, next let's uh, jump it all day to College Station. Giga Maggies. Where the Aggies facing uh, New Mexico this week. Tune-up game, to be sure, before this Arkansas game. But the real story there, Haynes King, how's he doing? Broke his foot, unfortunately. Uh, no timeline from Jimbo for when Haynes King will be back in the lineup. So it's going to be Zach Calzada the next couple weeks. I think some SEC fans may, might be excited to hear that. Of course, Calzada really turned it on there the last quarter of that uh, Colorado game. If they get more of that Zach Calzada, Texas A&M is going to be fine. If Zach Calzada from the first three quarters of the game is the is the one we see more and more, Texas A&M's in trouble. I mean, that's simple fact right there. Uh, so let's kick it over to Jimbo, who talks about Hayes King, the latest on him. And Zach Calzada, his progression in this Colorado game. Now, saying that with Haynes, Haynes, as you know, I guess is already out, but I wanted to wait till I got the final um, thing to make sure I give you all the right call. He has a, he had a crack in his lower lower leg that they fixed and operated on, went clean as a whistle, went really good, was as good as it could humanly be as far as uh, you know the the prognosis of things. Now, timeline, I'm not a doctor, and I'm not going to say when you heal, you heal. When you're healed, you're healed. We would never play him before in any way, shape, or form before that. And two, I feel like we still got a great quarterback in Zach Calzada and feel very comfortable with him uh, doing things after especially watching him, the character he grew up with in that football game and to come back and make the plays he had to make at the end of that game for us a chance to win it. We're very proud of him and the guys around him at plate. I uh, thought I what does backup quarterback look like now and does Stowers move well, back no, Well, Stowers has always been taking reps. He always has, a, has had familiarity. And uh, Blake is, is it will be Bose will be in there too. Who was a really had multiple scholarship offers. I, one of the reasons I was able to, I felt very good about moving Eli when we did was because of how Blake came in, his abilities to throw the ball, run the ball. I mean, he had multiple Division One quarterback offers at really good schools. Now, none of them were like SEC type schools, but at the same time, I think the guy is a really good player, and I, I feel very comfortable with him there and what he was doing in camp and the things he did. And was one of the reasons we were able to make that move. So he'll be in there also. And so now, and also the importance of, of Zach getting those first team reps during camp, and also does the game plan change, you know, moving Well, forward? I mean, you'll, you'll feature things he does, but we won't change a lot. I, I mean, listen, Zach, as, as you saw, people say, well, you know, Haynes can run and Haynes can't throw. Well, last of you saw him slinging the ball down the field everywhere, and Zach can throw and he can't run. Well, he made a heck of a run to get to the one-yard line. <laughs> he made a guy miss. He made a 20-yard run. He made a scramble on a big first down. He kept plays alive, had a 12-yard scramble for a touch, you know, for a first down in the game. So, I mean, we'll still stay very similar. We, there may be a wrap. There may be combinations of a couple things. One guy, which we always do, one guy likes this play a little better than he likes that play. But the still concept of what we do and how we do things will stay relative to exactly what we are. And then, with Zach, what did you see in his demeanor and his play after that fumble moving forward to you know, the end of the game? The confidence in his sideline was good. He was never – he could come off and tell me what was going on, and he would realize – and then he realized a couple throws he had, and I showed it to him. And then we talked about it. He said, yeah, I did – I probably did. I flashed through that look. And sometimes you go too fast because you're trying to get through progressions, and you just got to be quick but don't hurry. Just slow it down. Just slow it down. And then I think the more he played, the more it slowed down, the more he saw it, the more plays he was able to make. And then, like, for instance, the last play of the game was a third read on the play. All right, so here's a, a look ahead to Texas A&M's schedule the next couple of weeks and why this King injury could be just so critical to the season. Again, obviously, New Mexico this weekend, 
Hell, they could start uh, me at quarterback. They're going to beat New Mexico. Week four, Arkansas in Arlington. All of a sudden, that is one hell of a matchup. Two top 20 teams. By the time that game rolls around, I would imagine, like I said, maybe college game day. Looks like that's going to be a Zach Calzada game. Mississippi State at home. Mississippi State's a dangerous-ass team. Uh, Next week, the big one, Alabama at home. And then finally, this is, and this is just the last couple, the next couple of weeks here at Missouri. Who I know a lot of people have been high on Missouri all off season. I have not necessarily been there, but I am there now after watching them play against Kentucky. That's a hell of a team. So all of a sudden, Texas A&M schedule is looking like a little gauntlet here, and uh, we don't know when King will be back. Hell, we don't know if uh, he'll be the starting quarterback when he does return, depending on how well Calzada adjusts to being QB1 there in College Station. Maybe he just, the best football is uh, ahead of him. So, I don't know. Either way, this is uh, outside of New Mexico. You gotta, you really got to get Calzada, get his feet under him in this New Mexico game because they're going to need him to not be a liability for Arkansas, Mississippi State, Alabama, Missouri. Those are all potentially losable games if you don't bring your a day your a game uh here in the sec these teams will get you so man that just kind of looms really large right there all right next let's kick it down to rocky top little update here not much from josh heupel it's gonna be a slow week there on rocky top coming off the uh, loss to Pitt. tennessee tech is in town byron young finally eligible for the vols and uh, Josh Heupel kind of evaded this question as well as he could, but he was asked about Joe Milton, status of of his uh, QB1 there, Hendon Hooker, what's his uh, outlook here for the Tennessee Tech game, who's going to be the starting quarterback. Josh Heupel would not reveal much on this one. What's your quarterback situation? Is that open? Who's your starter? And do you consider any kind of adversity that maybe that position is not certain at this point in the year don't consider it uh, adversity um i think uh you know watching the, the video uh, joe knows this too there's opportunities to to make some plays in the past game that were certainly there um, multiple occasions where we're running free in the secondary and uh there's nobody relatively close you know at this level of play against a good good defense um, plays that, that we have to make um, gotta be able to throw it catch it be a little bit better in protection at times too but certainly things that uh, that he can uh, function at and has shown that he has the ability to do that. I'm just talking through training camp and, and the way that he's practiced. Um, don't know where uh, he's at uh, health-wise at this moment. Uh, right now, as, as we go forward, uh, the guys that are healthy will be ready to, to go compete and play. We'll find out where Joe is, uh, you know, here in the middle of the week. If he's healthy, is he your starter? Or is that- yeah, I mean, we'll find out where he's at and where he's – during the course of the week. And so there's multiple factors that play into who the guy is going to be taking snaps. So this is an important week here for Tennessee and Josh Hype. I mean, you, you just suffered your first loss. You got to rally the troops. You got to find out who's your starting quarterback because in a week from now, you're traveling to Florida under the lights. And if it is Hendon Hooker, I think we got to give him the, give him basically the entire game here to get in the system, to get the reps with his receivers and hell they're They should smoke Tennessee tech, but it still looked like Hendon hooker was a little rusty to me in this pit game. Uh, took him a little while to get going, had to force the issue there late in the game, had the critical turnover. So 
Uh, this is, you know, again, not a marquee matchup here, but it's going to be an important one for Tennessee and Josh Heupel because they have got to get this offense up to speed. Otherwise, you're going to get run out the building here when you travel down to the swamp here in uh, two weeks. All right, last team we're going to hit on uh, on this episode. Let's hit it all down to Fayetteville. Woo pig! We're saying Pittman and the Hogs are riding high, and now the challenge. Uh, remember week one, what do we talk about? What's how are the Razorbacks going to respond to being favored in a matchup? First time ever, they didn't respond very well. Now, they responded certainly after halftime, whooped the hell out of Rice. And we all know what just happened to Texas. So uh, maybe these Razorbacks play a little bit better when they're being discounted. Well, that's not going to be the case here. I guess Georgia Southern, you're a massive, massive favorite. How do the team react? How will Sam Pittman react? My man said he was up till 4 a.m. On game night, uh, just partying up and had some recruits in town. I mean, I cannot imagine the party down there on Dixon Street. Of course, Sam Pittman said he'd had no business of that. Uh, I think he was just had that jukebox turned up uh, at his house there in Fayetteville. So uh, let's kick it over to Sam Pittman, who's the big question now. How do you re- how's your team respond? Is there a letdown? There's a reason they used to call it Clemsoning. Because they would win the big one, then they drop the one the following week to a lesser opponent. And that now is a new challenge. Not saying um, Arkansas can't handle it, but it's this is a new challenge for Arkansas. Being a f- massive favorite, being ranked, everybody and their mother telling you how great you are. How does Arkansas respond? Sam Pittman talks about it. We're all human. So a lot of people say it's human nature just to let down after a big win like that. And then Texas A&M on the horizon, how do you guard against that with your players and, and keep them up? Well, you try to have the media not say what you just did would be the first thing. Uh, no, you know, I'm teasing you. Um, I'll be honest with you. I'm not one bit concerned about it and I'm not going to talk about it a lot, to be honest. Um, from the way that we beat Mississippi State last year and went to Auburn, and then, you know, we had that call at the end of the game. You know, our kids could have got the big head after Mississippi State. They didn't. They played a good game against Auburn. That happened. They came back and beat Ole Miss. Went, went and played a and uh, pretty good for last year. It was a pretty good game for us. And then came home and beat Tennessee. So we have proven in the past that we can just – flush whatever success or or however bad it may be we can flush it and go to the next week and i, I believe that's what we'll do sam arkansas is ranked as i'm sure you know in both the coaches and the ap poll first time in five years what's what's your reaction thoughts on that well i think we should be ranked i think we're a top 25 team and and i'm i'm proud that we are i'm not afraid to be ranked 20, 24, one, whatever it may be, I, you know, uh, those polls don't mean a lot at this point in time, but uh, to say I I'm, don't think we deserve to be in the top 25 is, I, I do. I think we, we deserve to be there and I'm proud that we are and I don't think it'll affect the way we play. Yeah, when I saw this on Twitter, I think it was, it might've been Peter Burns or somebody from ESPN, I assume you were on a TV or radio deal with them and he said that you said you went to bed at 4.30 a.m. Sunday? I did, yeah. Um, I went to sleep. I think I was in bed maybe 4.25. Yeah. Maybe. Was that just all the, you know, congratulations and celebration? And um, 
well, when, when did you get up and how do you feel? Because I know at my age, if I go to bed at 4.30, I'm not real good for a couple of days. <laughs> well, uh, we had some folks over, you know, a lot of people came over and had a good time. And, and, uh, and I laid down before then. I just couldn't go to sleep. You know, it's like a bunch of people probably, you know, thinking about the game and all that. And and uh, then, you know, we had recruits out to the house. You know, we had some official visits this weekend. We had them out to the house uh, for, for breakfast at nine. And then, you know, the day goes on. And I went home around 1030 last night. And, it's really how it is to be honest with you. Cause if you, let's say you have a night game on the road and you get home two thirty-three in the morning, which happens when you go on the road, depends on how far. Um, business as usual on Sunday. Cause at one o'clock I'm going to be in with the, with the defensive staff and two offense, three special teams. And then as a staff, and then we're going on to the next game. So it's kind of how we're built from, August 1st to hopefully January 1st. All right, so Sam Pittman doesn't seem like he's got a lot of concerns there heading into uh, this Georgia Southern game, but, you know, I heard a lot of the same stuff uh, heading into the Rice game. So, uh, again, not overly concerned, but a new challenge here for the Razorbacks. You want to be an elite team like we're seeing Georgia and Alabama. There's no letdown from those programs. Hell, I was foolish enough to think Georgia was going to suffer a letdown, and they put their damn foot on the gas and just stomped UAB over the weekend. Alabama's been doing that year after year after year. That's what it takes to be an elite program. Arkansas, you say you're there. You think you're there. Now it's time to go out there and show it. Uh, you cannot let a team like this, a triple option team, you know, crazier things have happened. You have a turnover here or there, and you got this damn team that eats up all the clock and your offense, which is based on tempo, making big plays, getting first downs. If that's not working for you, that's a recipe for disaster. So Arkansas, this has got to be a critical game. We all know the outstanding linebackers. And now John Ridgway, I mean, my God, that, that man looked like a beast against Texas. You've got the personnel to just demolish Georgia, Georgia Southern triple option. Make Those guys have got to play their best. Oh, Hayden Henry, the water boy there. I mean, I can only imagine he'll probably have 30 tackles in this football game if he's prepared, if he brings it. Uh, but that's going to be the challenge for Arkansas. All right, guys. Well, that's all I got on this episode. Cousin Shane will be back for the next episode. Thank I mean, I love doing these, but uh, they're way more fun with Cousin Shane cracking open his beer and cracking his jokes. So I can't wait for that. Uh, but I, again, just want to say thanks to uh, all the fans and supporters. You've been outstanding. Again, check out our sponsor, prizepicks.com. If uh, daily fantasy college sports is something that may interest you, use that promo code SEC. We'd appreciate each and every one of you. And don't forget to check out the YouTube page. Man, that thing's blowing up. Uh, all the support over there has been tremendous, and each ever episode gets posted there to YouTube. We also have segments for each individual team, but uh, that's going to do it on this episode. Catch you on the next one.